I'm joined today by author, coach, yoga, meditation and mindfulness teacher, Ryan Sawyer. I find out from Ryan the circumstances which led to him turning his back on his football coaching career. The aftermath which saw his crippling anxiety take over his life and take his marriage to the brink and the strategies he used to drastically strip back his life so as both him and his wife could work on themselves to drastically improve their marriage. And I also delve into with Ryan a ton of incredibly powerful strategies that you can take away and use to begin meditating and really leveraging your mind to start working for you. Hi, I'm Joe Horton and this is Guild of Dads. Hey, you over there. Yeah, I can see you. Come over. Sit down and join me as I'm about to have a conversation about you. A conversation about what it means to be a dad, a role model, and to live a life of meaning. About your physical health, how you look after yourself, contribute to the world around you, and raise our next generation. A conversation that will shape the vision you have for yourself. Forever. Hey and welcome back to the Guild of Dads podcast, your weekly discussion around being a dad, fatherhood and stepping up towards being the man we always wanted to be. It's very necessary to have discussions like this at this current time, given the way in which masculinity is being portrayed in the mainstream media and an opportunity to change the narrative around what it means to be a dad and what it means to be a man in this current time. We interview visionary men and fathers about their lives along with the top experts in order to distill their knowledge down so you can take it away and apply it to your own life on a daily, weekly and monthly basis. I'm also bringing a new slant to the conversation by bringing dads just like you and me onto the podcast to share their stories. We tackle the issues that matter to dads in a thought-provoking way, including mental health, relationships, physical health, spirituality, and contributing to the world. I speak to guys that are dads themselves and also experts in each facet of a dad's life to help you level up and become the man and dad you always wanted to be. I started Guild of Dads after my own journey of change began a few years back and I'm on a mission to help other men do the same by getting you to really reflect and think about your own life but also take action towards change, fulfilment and purpose. You can pick a few changes in each area of your life and take some small steps starting today. The conversations I have are designed to be thought-provoking to make you reflect on your own life but also give you the tools and resources to go ahead and really smash it and there's never a better time than now during this period of change and reflecting during lockdown lifting to craft a plan for your future if you haven't already done so go on over to guildofdads.com forward slash fam to grab my free ebook the van blueprint which will show you how you can make a start I've also got a really exciting announcement today, which is that I'm currently putting together an exclusive brotherhood and membership just for dads into which I will be taking founder members for a limited time only on a lifetime membership fee. This is only going to be open to the first 30 guys on board. So if you want to take your journey to another level this autumn or fall if you're in the US, 
this year, then reach out to me at joe at guildofdads.com. This is a limited time only offer for the first 30 guys, so get in quick. One of the subjects we've discussed on this podcast for some time now is how men and dads can become more at peace with their own thoughts and emotions and a key skill in doing this is letting go. The most powerful tool you have in your armory in this is meditation and mindfulness which is rapidly gaining traction, quite rightly so in the West, for its part in cultivating good mental health. I discussed this today with my guest Ryan, amongst other things, how you can leverage this key skill to strengthen your relationship with yourselves and others around you. Ryan Sawyer is the author of the new book, The Choice Point. Break the cycle of self-sabotage, accelerate your growth and realize your true potential. Licensed unbeatable mind coach, certified Q process facilitator, certified oxygen advantage coach, certified Kokoro yoga instructor and certified meditation and mindfulness teacher and speaker. Ryan is a former national champion college football coach, owner of a thriving residential painting company and a devoted husband and father. Starting long before sunrise, Ryan begins his dedicated daily meditation and yoga practices in the relentless pursuit of his own continued personal transformation. He's driven to help others on their path to self-realization and unblocking their 20x potential. And now for my conversation with Ryan. Ryan, welcome to the Guild of Dads podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Excited to be here. It's a pleasure and it's an absolute pleasure. And joining me all the way from the west coast of the States where the weather is completely different to what it is here right now. But uh, yeah, it's it's still bowls me over after how many episodes that we can be having conversations from like different <laughs> different sides of the planet about such amazing different topics and stuff and that. So I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me tonight. Yeah, it's it's part of the fun of realizing how much we're all in this thing together, even though we're on different sides of the globe, right? Yeah, so, that's it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So to, I've been finding out a bit about you in the last little while and, and, and in terms of kind of where your kind of story began and and how you kind of got to where you are now. Now you, at the moment, your kind of, your uh, profession, if you like, is is coaching and helping uh, couples and individuals in terms of um, their own kind of development. But it's not always mm-hmm. been that way. You came from a different coaching background before and mm-hmm. that the, the kind of circumstances in which you kind of exited that were kind of slightly unique, weren't they? Yeah, so yeah, my last life i like to talk about it uh was i was a collegiate football coach mm-hmm. so that was man that was the only thing i ever wanted to do it's the only thing i ever saw myself doing and, it, and even to the point like where when heidi and i my wife now when we met it was like you gotta go through a couple seasons of being a college football coach's girlfriend slash before we then move on to wife because i have to know that you can handle this lifestyle of these insane hours you know uh, basically uh, just you know, always being offline, you know, even when I'm home, I'm thinking about what we're going to be doing next and the drills we're doing and the next upcoming game and recruiting season. And it's just a complete different lifestyle. Um, and, you know, it, it never really entered my awareness that I wanted to do something different until we, you know, we're blessed with two beautiful babies hmm. and, uh, and everything instantly changed. And I, uh, and, and it, and it, 
it changed, uh, you know, to the point where I started to really say, look at myself in the mirror saying is, is who you're being, you know, right now in your life, is that the person that you want to be when you're raising a family? And, uh, and so that uncovered all kinds of other powerful questions to follow. And, and it eventually turned into uh, really being torn, being extremely torn between this childhood dream and doing the only thing I ever thought I would do and really not knowing if I could find happiness outside of it and wanting to be home. And, uh, and, and then that turning into really uncovering this underlying uh, depression, anxiety that had been sitting there and, and had been tormenting me my whole life. But I became a genius at hiding it. I became a genius at, at suppressing it. You know, and as long as I was in my comfort zone, as long as I was in my thing of doing college football, of, of you know, the whistle around my neck and hanging out with the guys and going out and have a few beers, as long as I stayed busy in that distracted lifestyle, then I didn't, I didn't have to address it. But when I started to work on myself and I started to take certain things and start to remove them, like say my drinking habit and or my gambling habits. And, uh, and I started to remove these things. I started to eat better and have better nutrition. And so I started to work out more and I started to recognize like, hey, you know what? Like this profession is not serving me the way that it once was. The more space I had to recognize other things that were coming to the surface that need to be worked, upon, worked on as well. Um, and so, yeah, that, that, that uh, was a, let's see, 2012, my son was born and I didn't leave until 2015. So yeah, it was a three hour or three hour, three year, just uh, navigation and conversation after conversation. And, and until the point it just came to a head right? I had no choice but to walk away. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And did you find that with your, with the career that you're in, did you find that it was kind of running you rather than you kind of running it? Cause you sort of talk about it being kind of, really on the go all the time and jumping from one thing to another and constantly planning and being on this kind of sort of a like a runaway train if you like where mm. you're where you're like a passenger on that train rather than actually being in the kind of driving seat of it where you're kind of pulled along in this kind of big vacuum is that kind of how it was beginning to get for you in terms of mm. like a kind of uh running away from the kind of thought and emotion and facing down things that you needed to yeah, that's a wonderful perspective. I've never thought of it that way, Joe, but I think that no question in especially that type of profession that is all in or nothing, right? That you're kind of, uh, you're, you're just flowing with it. I mean, give you an example. Every year at about November, December, no matter whether you're on a, on a winning program or a losing program or somewhere in the middle, you are at this place where like, what's going to happen next? Like, is the head coach going to get another offer someplace else? And, and is this going to happen? And who's going to go here and who's going to go there? And it's like this revolving door of just having no security or stable uh, idea of where you're going to be uh, two months from now or, you know, uh, the next year. So you're, you're building a profession that's not on firm ground at all right because it's it's not like you're at in one business model or one corporation where hey i'm going to climb the corporate ladder in this like i'm in a profession and it's it's an idea of who you know and and kind of your status and where you came from and what you've been doing but at the same day your head coach should get fired and no matter what you've done you're gone now you're out there starting from ground zero scraping for a job again in the same profession but it's you have to go to another corporation within the same profession again, you know, yeah. and you have to start all over. So, yeah. 
it's uh it's definitely a hamster wheel a bit you know and uh and, and when you're when you're single or when you're married without kids it's kind of an exciting yeah. you know and kind of exciting adventure like i don't know where we're going to be living 12 months from now should we do this deck project on the house well let's wait and see because we may not be living here i don't know you know so it just seems like a lot of things are on hold yeah you know like yeah. life is a bit on hold yeah. yeah, and the excitement, I guess, becomes wearing. Because you see, the thing is, and the reason I phrase it like that kind of sort of, that kind of juggernaut effect, you know, the uh, like the runaway train effect, is I think a lot of guys can kind of relate to this. And, you know, one of the things I talk about is a barbecue conversation. You know, when you, you know, when you're talking to a guy that you've not seen for a while, or it might be a friend or whatever, and you're at a family barbecue, and you sort of say to them, so how's things going with work and whatever? And they say, yeah, it's good. You know, we've been on some nice holidays this year and, you know, we've got a lovely house and I've just got my new car and stuff. Um, but something feels like it's missing. Hmm. Uh, you know, um, I just don't get the satisfaction anymore. And I know that uh, it's not about the money. I could work harder, um, but it wouldn't really solve the problem. And it's kind of, it's this kind of like emptiness that kind of guys feel inside. And I, and, and, and I think that many men, I think, kind of follow this kind of career path and life path where it's kind of settle down and have kids, be in a kind of stable job, particularly corporate jobs or in banking and finance and this kind of stuff. Mm. But in actual fact, the money is not, it comes to a point where the, where the kind of, it's the law of diminishing returns where no matter how much money they have, it's not going to fill that void inside, which is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And then the kind of, self-medication comes in you know they're either snorting coke or they're drinking too much or so gambling or the bot the cork has got to come out of the bottle somewhere you know what i mean yeah well i i think you could take it even away from you know drug and alcohol abuse and gambling that type of stuff i mean it's all the way down to we distract ourselves with watching sports Right. I mean, watching your favorite sports team to uh, however it is you're feeling your life. I'm like for my wife and I, when we were like, okay, we're going to go through these change and, and, and we're transitioning from this college football career to, to the, to be an entrepreneur. And it was okay. Well, we're, let's change where we're living. So we changed our house and we transform our bodies. Right. And I lost 70 pounds and it was, everything was about somehow manipulating my external circumstances Right. Rather than letting those things be still and letting them be quiet and simplifying our lives. Like now my wife and I are borderline minimalists. Like we did, we don't, we don't have a lot. We don't buy a lot. We, we have one vehicle, which in, 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 you know, where we live is, is really, really rare. You know, I have my company vehicles and things of that nature, but we have one personal vehicle for the two of us, you know, and so we try to keep things as simple as possible. So we don't get distracted with clutter. Hmm. And clutter can mean your your environment, your space, your mind, right? Your emotions, like things can so easily just get so cluttered. Um, and, and then to recognize that like, you know, what are we using to buffer, right? I mean, we can buffer with food and and, and, and all kinds of things. And so there's no question that I think our our corporate world is is a buffering, massive buffering mechanism. It keeps you so busy and, and on this hamster wheel of uh, of the, the dangling carrot, right? If we just get to here, then things will be good or things will be different. If I could just have this or this car or this boat or this vacation home or go on this vacation for 10 days with my wife or, you know, when the kids leave out and move out of the house, then or then and then, right? And then comes 
And still there's, there's this vacantness inside of us that has not been addressed. Mm. You know, there's yeah. a, there's a sense of belonging that's not there. And, and I think that for us to really heal and do deep work and for us to really show up authentically for ourselves and for other people, like we all have to deep dive into our own psyche and, yeah. and, and, and learn how to meet our own needs in one of the programs that I'm a part of, it's called like reparenting really. Right. Right. So uh, making sure that the needs of, of feeling loved and feeling safe and feeling uh, being good enough, like those types of pieces have to come from within. Right. Mm -hmm. Or I'm going to project that story, that narrative onto my children, my family and otherwise, and it's going to keep me from, having the relationships and the abundance and the opportunities that I truly want to experience in life, mm. you know? Life is tough for us dads on the hamster wheel of life. And let's face it, life doesn't come with an operating manual. I wish it did. But our fears around what life holds and how our lives have gone up until now don't have to hold us back. You can begin to pursue your dreams. You can do it. I know you can. We talk about vision, action and meaning on Guild of Dads and my debut book, The VAM Blueprint, has now launched. The book is a simple to follow guide which tells you my own story, the inspiration behind Guild of Dads and reveals a powerful growth system that you can start using today. You'll also find out my thoughts towards living a life which has meaning and why meaning is such a powerful North Star for men just like you. There isn't any publishers or cost, it's available now totally free as a download from my website by going to the link guildofdads.com forward slash vam which is v-a-m guildofdads.com forward slash vam if you grab it today there's also a load of free bonus material available for the first 100 downloads so check it out guildofdads.com forward slash vam yeah, and I and I kind of unpackaged this. I've unpackaged this with guests before, where we talk, where I've spoken about this kind of this kind of man in the mirror concept. Whereas, I, where I think a lot of guys, they 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 are kind of scared of looking in the mirror for fear of what they're going to see, and actually mm-hmm. that they're going to need to make some kind of difficult changes and some maybe kind of painful changes, and turn around and kind of face what they've kind of been running away from. And you know, drink is a really good example because like. Like I've never had a problem with drink, but uh, last year I did like 30 days dry. And what surprised me the most about it was that at the end of the 30 days, I actually wasn't gasping for a drink. And then the first drink that I did have, I was kind of like, oh, dropped my pen on the floor. Um, the first thing that I did notice was actually I, uh, I don't really kind of miss this. <laughs> it's a wet liquid, but I'm not like... I'm not like, like oh, I'm so glad to have a drink, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So this year I was like, right, I'm going to I'm gonna try and do 60 days. And then a buddy of mine mm-hmm. down in Australia said, look, why don't you do 90 days? And that just coincided with lockdown beginning. And I've just carried on since mm-hmm. then. So it's actually turned out that I've done like, you know, nine months now of no drinking. And people sort of say to me, well, why don't you have a drink? Or why don't you want to drink? And, actually, and I've kind of gone past that point of kind of, you know, um, of kind of needing it or wanting it but you know you get into that cycle of like friday night i'm gonna have a couple of beers to detox and stuff and that and mm. i just found i got my weekend mornings back straight, mm-hmm, kind of straight right. sort of thing and, you know because you right. know even after like a couple of beers you're still muzzy on a saturday morning sure. or sunday morning oh sure sort of thing and yeah stuff. two glasses of wine you feel it yeah you feel it 
So I, I, I'll tell you, here, here's a question and I'm going to see if I can bring and help me with this one. If, if I don't make sense with this is like everything we do is somehow conditioned into our experience. Meaning like what you're saying it's Friday night. And if I don't have a drink, then therefore somehow I'm missing out. Right. And so do I even actually want the drink or am I just running an old program that like, if I don't run that program, I'm going to have some sense of loss. And this is going into like neuroscience. This is going all the way into like cell reproduction and epigenetics and things of that nature, things that are happening on the unconscious level of like, when I think a thought and I feel a certain way, or I take a certain action, certain chemicals get released. Dopamine gets released because I'm doing the thing that makes me feel comfortable or in this known experience. So all the way down to when I go to a movie, I have popcorn, right? This is conditioned. Do I even want the popcorn? I'm not even sure I want it, but I'm going to have popcorn and Sour Patch Kids at a movie because that's what I've always done, right? And so like how many of our actions on a weekly basis or a daily basis are we actually consciously deciding and of a place of like being authentic and being real and what we really truly want to create in our lives and who we truly want to show up as and how many of those things are just conditioned into our experience, like from cultural biases all the way to just behavioral habits, mm-hmm. right? That become yeah. unconscious. Yeah. Right. This is the habit, this insert into brackets that I do to kind of unwind, or this is the insert mm-hmm. bracket habits that I do if I want to kind of enhance this feeling and make it better. But in actual fact, what we're saying is you can take away that and you can experience it just the same, but without the kind of the stuff that you don't want. And what's kind of it, and, and what was, what I found most interesting about the drinking thing, and I won't go on about this too much, is it bothers more people, other people more than mm. it bothers me. And that's the mm. weirdest thing. You mean you not drinking bothers them? It bothers them more than it does sure. bother me. Because... And again, this comes back to the man in the mirror thing. They're looking at it and, and typically I go, oh, I couldn't do that. I can't live without my glass of wine on a Saturday night. And there's, not, like, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not like one of these reformed drinkers that says, no one must drink. But right. what's interesting is that it's kind of like um, they've kind of convinced themselves that they mm-hmm. couldn't get through a Saturday night without having a drink. And I'm sure that there's right. a lot of people that would, do this, would say the same about I couldn't get through Saturday night without a joint. I couldn't get through Saturday night without a um, pill or whatever. And people have conditioned, like you say, conditioned themselves into thinking, I can't get through this situation without kind of medicating it or enhancing it or dulling it or kind of manipulating it in some way. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. You know, I mean, you could point that towards pornography or women putting on makeup or I mean all kinds of things right yeah. I mean it's all of it it's all of it. and it's, it's their very own judgment like you are triggering their perception of themselves because you're not having a drink therefore that makes them feel less than right so then now they judge their own drinking habit because you're choosing a different choice that's against the grain right against their known experience right yeah. so it's just an opportunity I mean with my my uh, desire for the world is to say, awesome. I just got triggered because you're not having a drink. I'm now judging myself for having one. Like that's my work that I need to do on myself. If I choose to have the drink, there's nothing wrong with it, but let's consciously decide that this is what I truly want to do and not do it out of habit or behavior, you know, out of conditioning. 
right? Yeah. You know, yeah. So yeah. yeah, it's such a it's such a fascinating conversation. The kind of dynamics of how that kind of how that kind of unpackages and kind of works its way through in our sort of psych, collective psyche of ourselves and others around us. Well, and some of it too is just how the mind works. Mm. Right? If you look at it from just how the mind actually uh, perceives things and how it desires and attaches to things and stories and their items. Like you, you smell chocolate chip cookies being cooked in the kitchen. Five minutes ago, you had no desire for a chocolate chip cookie, right? But then you smell it. You haven't even seen it. You can now have an imagery in your mind of a chocolate chip cookie and you know how good that will taste. And now you want one and you really can't get your mind to settle back down and be peaceful until you walk into that kitchen and have a chocolate chip cookie. And then once you have one, you're probably going to have three, right? And then you're like, well, but then I want to have one with a glass of milk. And so all these things with a series of events and, and, you know, 15 minutes prior before your wife took them out of the oven or started cooking them, like you had no no desire for it, right? But yeah. the mind all of a sudden smells something or hears something or sees something and is like, that's what I want. Mm. And you know, does it really? Or is that just the mind doing what the mind does? Yeah. Right. The receptors, so, the dopamine receptors start firing. Yeah. And there's no yeah. holding them yeah. back. <laughs> right. Ple- pleasure, pleasure. Give me more. Give me more. That's that's right. That's pleasure right. starts manifesting itself. So we've sort of done a bit of like a, we've kind of gone on a bit of a tangent and coming back. And, and I'm going to bring this back to kind of, so so, so you're kind of finding out that, you, you know, all this stuff is kind of bubbling to the surface where you, yes, where sir. you, where you're changing your uh, career and transitioning out of all you've ever known how did that start to kind of manifest itself in terms of your in terms of your relationships in terms of your kind of you know your your health and you know what started to kind of happen at that point so the the main turning point was uh when my wife found me curled up in a ball in the corner of the room i'm doing dishes one day and for whatever reason like in those moments when I'm doing something like the dishes where my mind tends to wander more because you're doing something that's really kind of known. So you don't have to think about it consciously very much. Right. That's when my anxiety was the absolute worst. And, mm. and I, I had a, a, a massive, massive attack one day and these were becoming more and more common. And uh, so I was getting, it was getting harder to hide it. Right. Cause my wife didn't even know. I mean, my wife didn't have no, had no clue what I was going through. And I was wanting to hide it because I didn't want it to affect my family. I didn't want it to impact my marriage. I didn't want to address it. So she found me curl up in ball and was like, what's going on? What are you doing? So I had to come clean, right? I mean, I had to be like, well, I couldn't think of any sort of excuse in that moment that was that was going to make any sense other than um, I'm, I'm experiencing this crazy anxiety, depression. And, and, you know, and so then she just kept probing and she wouldn't let off until I'm sharing with her all the way back into my teen years of this has been my whole life. I'm not the man you think I married. And, you know, and so that spun us down a very long, dark road of her not knowing how to handle it. Her uh, just, you know, feeling a little bit uh, like, you know, kind of blindsided, you know, and, and then me being ashamed and kind of guilty about all that. And, and so that was right about the same time when, when I was, you know, made the decision to leave coaching. And when I left, it was very much like me being a seeker. Like I became just everything, the next thing, what's the next thing I'm going to do? What's the next thing I'm going to take on? What's the, you know, to try to understand what was going on, mm-hmm. you know, 
uh, I wanted to know what was happening on a neurological level. I want to know what's happening on a chemical. I want to understand, you know, cell reproduction and epigenetics and these things. So I could take responsibility and I could take control uh, of, of the situation and I could come up with actionable steps that would allow for me to at least shift my experience. Right. And then the main motivation for me was to get the content and the knowledge ingrained in me so I could help support my son or my daughter if they ever had the same struggles. Like that was my main, because at even in those deepest, darkest places, I was not convinced that I was ever going to get to find a way out personally, mm-hmm. but it was about me fighting. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so, um, you know, in that process, the, 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 the thing that I recognized was me constantly trying to look to my circumstances or my outside world for some sense of validation, like that what I am experiencing is valid and, and, um, and, and for someone to understand it, Right. Even there is sometimes there's, there is no understanding it. There's just being with it and releasing it and moving past it and doing the work on yourself to, to create a different experience of life. And I found myself in a, in a, in a, in a spot where, uh, within the kind of the path I was traveling, I found myself in an emotional entangled relationship with another woman because she was validating me. She was listening to me. She was, was making me feel like I was on the right path. And, mm-hmm. and, and I, honestly, I had convinced myself that my wife did not love me anymore because of how she was responding to mm-hmm. our, our struggles and, and our story at the time. So mm-hmm. it wasn't until that my wife and I basically were at a spot where it's like, Hey, listen, uh, you know, I'm moving out tomorrow. Obviously you don't know how to handle this situation. I have to figure this out. You know, this is really sad, but you know, and in that moment of complete despair was when we got the message that like, listen, stop changing everything about your life. Stop trying to do anything new or different. Go back to the absolute basics, right? Go back to the absolute foundation. This is when I started my residential painting company. Cause I was like, okay, what's the one thing I know I can do make money that doesn't take hardly any of my conscious effort. I just go do my thing, put my headphones in, listen to a book or a podcast, right? So that's why I started the painting company. And that's when her and I really started to recognize, okay, listen, you need to work on you to become the best version of you. And don't try to change anything about your environment. And I'm going to do the same. I'm not going to try to change anything about you or our environment. I mean, all the way down to her redecorating, like stop redecorating the house. Like we canceled cable. We eliminated as many things and simplified our lives as much as possible all the way down to like what we eat on each. I mean, it sounds a little bit extreme, mm. but it's like, Hey, we don't have to talk about what's for dinner because we know on Tuesdays we have tacos. Like yeah. how, how many less decisions are we making? And, and all those, all the energy comes back to our experience. And then we have time and energy to work on ourselves. Yeah. Right. Because we're not trying to change anything and we're simplifying everything. And, and so once we did that, we created the space for us to really navigate what we were experiencing and to recognize some of these reoccurring narratives that were running in our heads that were creating these outcomes. And we're able to replace those with, with uh, an experience we wanted to have, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, it's, and it's interesting where you talk about the kind of, where you kind of had to tell Heidi that, 
you know things weren't quite as they seem and you'd been suffering from the anxiety and depression and stuff because I think the thing is is for a lot of guys uh, there's a few things that I was going to unpackage there and the first thing is is that a lot of guys carry stuff around with them because they have this idea of kind of you know Robert Glover talks about this kind of the nice guy syndrome of like uh, you know not revealing uh, anything that would you know make people not like you and stuff and that so guys mm. carry this stuff around and then you know and then because we are kind of fixers we want to fix stuff so we're looking for like the kind of the logical way to kind of fix something and the problem mm. is is that sometimes you can get go down that rabbit hole of i'm trying to fix all this but in actual fact i need, just need to back off and let things be for a bit in order to mm. kind of let things to kind of find their own way through things and i think one thing i've picked up from a lot of guys who often have um, bouts of anxiety or depression or they've made mistakes. It may be small mistakes. It may be big mistakes. It could be to do with money. It could be to do with other women or it could be whatever. And I, and I think the, the difficulty I think a lot of guys come up with in any of these scenarios is how you kind of continue your relationship um, without being the, uh, the kind of perpetual uh, apologizer. You're not going to spend the rest of your life apologizing. So you've got to kind of get to this point where you say, actually, you know, shit happened in the past. Uh, it was either me or it was you or it was a combination of both. But actually, are we in this now moving forward or are we going to just kind of keep blaming each other or, you know, and I think kind of getting past that point, I think is a big step for, I think a lot of couples, if one or both of them have maybe had some issues or whatever and stuff, that ability to just say, right, we're not going to do this blame game anymore. We're just going to kind of move forward and uh, you're not going to have to keep apologising for everything that's happened in the past. I'm not going to. It's happened. Let's move on. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I, one of my favourite sayings is blame has an expiration. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, for for me, and, and Heidi's uh, from our experience is, you know, uh, it's just creating the, this, this environment of growth, mm. right? And just to recognize that, like everything is always changing, yeah. you know? And so uh, it all starts obviously with awareness. Like what is it that is happening within my own experience that's contributing to this, to this circumstance? And, and when, when you talk about awareness, like what it all comes down to is like, what's in my control. And I, and I, and I know personally, like I wanted to control all kinds of things, right. About, about my business or about my relationship or my life, or even all the way down, like, I'm going to learn to control my mind. Like, no, you're going to learn to be able to just to witness what's going on in your mind and not attach. And so what it's, it starts to realize like, Oh, life is more about letting go than it is about control and taking control. So taking responsibility is more about letting go mm. than it is about like discipline and forcefulness, right? Does that make sense? Like creating yeah. discipline in your life. The number one discipline to create is to recognize, you know, to, to build the awareness of, of what's happening in your mind, meaning here comes a thought, there it goes. I'm not going to chase it down the freaking rabbit hole and realize a day later or five minutes later or whatever it is that I followed that, that belief or that fear or that doubt down a rabbit hole mm. and then created a fight or a confrontation with my wife or my business because I, I followed that. Mm. Right. And that's a choice. Yeah. 
Yeah. That, but that, that starts with awareness to recognize like how many times we d- create a circumstance based upon a story that's running in our head. And most of those stories are based upon the past, mm-hmm. past relationships where we got hurt or past fears or, and a lot of them could even be all the way back to early childhood development where we have no conscious recollection, recollection of, of what exactly that belief even is. Right. Mm-hmm. But if we start to wake up and become aware of what's running as narrative and as reoccurring loops in our mind and be able to say, Hey, listen, I'm not going to attach that story. I'm going to be fully present with this here and now, like I'm going to just only focus on what I can control. Mm -hmm. Right. Which my reaction to whatever's happening. That's the only thing like my thoughts and my feelings and my behavior is it. And it's when you really stop and determine what it is that I can control, then everything else, you know, it becomes, at first it almost feels limiting because like, well, no, but I want to be able to control everything, but it just, it's, you just cannot, you know? And so, um, yeah. And I love what, yeah, that, uh, I love the book. I don't know if you come across it and I've referred to it before and here before is a uh, microwave singers, the untethered soul. That's my, one of my favorites, absolute favorites, yeah. And I love the, and I've got it on audiobook and I've listened to it. You know, it's one of those, it's one of those audiobooks that you probably need to listen to maybe twice, maybe three times a year, just to kind of re- mm. re-remind yourself. But he goes into, you know, he he really does kind of picture this kind of like little, um, this little annoying person sitting on your shoulder, kind of chattering away with all these kind of mm-hmm. thoughts and stuff and that. And the way he kind of pictures it and uh, gives you the visualization of what is going on in your mind, it really does help. And that combined with getting into a regular meditation practice is like a kind of game. Like people sort of say to me, they're like, so what is meditation? So what do you do? Just sit there? And I'm just like, and you explain what you've just said to me. I explained to them. And I'm like, well, no, you kind of, you, you still have thoughts. It's not about switching off thought, but you just don't engage with it. So you let it be. And you could visualize it as a river of thoughts just running past and you kind of, it's, it's like an object. You don't kind of pick it up. You just leave it be. You just leave it. Yeah. And uh, if you do find yourself picking it up and looking at it, you just put it back down again and let it be sort of thing. But kind of um, getting people to get their head around that concept is tricky. But once you've got it, then you kind of, it really does make things so much more different, doesn't it? It's a completely different experience of life. It's what we call developing the witness, hmm. right? The ability just to kind of sit behind everything and just watch it all happening and not attach to it and to be the, the one who's actually experiencing, you know, you're not the thought, you're the one watching the thought. So I'm, I'm the witness or the observer, you know, I mean, to me, it's, it's the most impactful work that anybody can do for themselves and for the relationships in their life, hmm. you know? To, to learn how to not attach to uh, to what's happening in your own psyche in any one moment or time. And, and, and I think there's small ways to practice this too. Like I have a practice where, you know, it's one thing to sit down and do it in a, in a seated position, you know, and, and I think there's a lot that leads up to that. I think that we have to first get our nervous system under control. So having a breath practice that helps us just get ourselves into balance to where we're actually able to sit and, and start that type of practice. I think attention control is huge. You know, the, the first learn how to concentrate your mind on one thing, which is usually our breath. And then we can work our way into witnessing. But if we try to start with let's witness our thoughts, 
I believe that most of our minds and mine, especially when I first started meditation years ago, like it was way too all over the place for that to even be a possibility. Like I was down multiple different thought loops and rabbit holes before I realized, oh my goodness, I've been here for seven minutes. Like, you know, all here and there and all the other place. Like, I don't even know where the origin of that thought was. Right. So to first like have a breath practice that is giving you, bringing you into balance. And then second to, to, to have a practice that helps you develop concentration. So when you go into your witnessing practice, then you are able to hold your attention and actually be aware of when your mind jumps, because when it jumps to the future or to the past, which is what it's going to do, it's going to happen. You then recognize it and go, ha ha, come back over here, you know, come back to the present moment, come back to your breath. And there comes a thought, okay, now I'm going to watch it come and watch it go, but I'm holding my concentration on being that witness and not attaching to it. And, right. and so it, there's, there's a step-by-step process. I believe it's, that's not being taught when somebody picks up a headspace app or, or otherwise, you know, uh, those things are great, but you know, that's one of the things that, that I want that I'm passionate about teaching is like, Hey, let's really break this down step-by-step, you know, and, and to help you develop your own practice that serves you and to be able to create this, a skill that you walk around with throughout the day. Yeah. Yeah. And it's patience as well, because there's a number of ways you can do it. You can either kind of build up, your kind of time on your kind of morning meditation from anything from like 10 minutes up to an hour, depending on how much time you've got. Or, you know, there's so many different meditative activities. One is mowing the lawn, going for a walk in the woods, washing your car, uh, just a simple walking meditation. Um, and people would think, well, what do you mean by this? Well, you're just losing yourself in what you're doing, essentially. Yeah. You're not thinking yeah. about anything else other than kind of, your thought the sensation kind of wandering yeah yeah and one of yeah. the cra- kind of crazy things that i had when i was i was building up to a kind of kind of a longer periods of meditation which for me were like 25 30 minutes and mm-hmm. is when is when your kind of breath goes so short that you can't almost even feel it and, mm-hmm. you, and then you get i call it like the the um, fairy dust sprinkle which is where it kind of it feels like someone sprinkled fairy dust on the back of your neck and you can feel it going down your sp- spine it's a very weird sensation hmm. and um you it's it's what and again it's one of those it's paradoxically with meditation it's one of those things where if you try and bring that on it's just not hmm. going to happen not going to happen you just kind of yeah. have to kind of surrender completely and then just then it kind of happens but that's kind of a strange but nice place to be uh yeah you know and, and one of the biggest things that we always get is i don't have enough time i have one of my current clients that i'm working with is like oh well i do this and he, he took me through his whole day i'm like yeah that's a very busy day i get it we all have busy days very simple it comes down to this would you rather be tired and awake you know awakening to your unconscious patterns and beliefs and and things of that nature where you're potentially sabotaging yourself because you're attaching to thoughts. So would you rather have an hour less sleep? And so you're tired, but yet you're awakening or be rested and, and stay asleep to what else is possible in life. Like, you know, and so, because it's not, doesn't have to be forever that you're, that you're feeling like you have to give up one thing for another because it'll eventually be incorporated into your life. And this discipline will just become a way of life but there has to be some sort of sacrifice in the beginning to start this type of practice. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and then beyond that, there has to be a commitment to doing it consistently for a long period of time without 
any sort of expectation of result. Like that's what you're talking about. Like, Ooh, I had this tingling, this fairy. To, like I want, I'm going to go into meditation because I want to experience that again. And you won't have a chance <laughs> if you go into it yeah. with some sort of expectation, you know, one of the simple ways too of, of practicing something like awareness and, and, and some sort of sense of like letting go, because I think this idea of just letting go is so important is, is to just find like the smallest preference that you may have on like a Saturday afternoon with your family or otherwise, like, you know, like my son, this last weekend, they're, they're building Legos and he wants to, you know, he wants for me to come help him, you know, build a spaceship or whatever. And it's two o'clock in the afternoon and, and I'm in the midst of like mowing the lawn and doing this and you know, doing all my dad duties, you know? And so in that moment, like, no, I prefer to continue to knock off my to-do list. So tomorrow I have less to do. And, you know, that's a simple, small preference in that moment. I can say, no, I'm going to let go of my preference and I'm going to sit down for five minutes and I'm going to help him build this ship. Right. Because it's not what I want to do. Right. But it's just what the moment is asking of me. Yeah. And so I'm letting go. Like that's a practice. I'm just being like, no, here's my preference. Here's what the moment's asking of me. I let go. So then therefore I create space to connect with a loved one. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And a lot of dads can relate to that because you know, you're, you're, uh, you're doing something in, in, in the yard or the garden or you're, uh, you're unstacking the dishwasher or you're making food or you're, and there's this split second where that little person walks into the room and all they want is your 100% attention and you're brushing them off. And we all mm. do it. We all, the frustrating thing is we all, all do it. We know we do it. And then mm. it's not until afterwards you're like, why did I do that? My dad used to do that to me and I hated it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, 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 I need to, re- I have to remind myself on a daily basis because, you know, we're seen very driven culture right and we want more and we want to achieve we want to give we want to serve and you know money right and at the end of the day what is your i I want to give my kids everything i want to give them this wonderful life but what the one thing they want is your time that's it like they want you they don't care what you're doing they can care less right they just want you you know and so like so many times we get caught up in in, in a certain expectation that we built in our mind of I'm going to take them here and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. Right. And it's, and it's again, it's all like externally based. Yeah. Experiential based rather than going inward and say, who am I being? Am I truly seeing my kid for the first time in this moment? Because I mean, I don't know about you, but like, it seems like they change every single day. Right. Have I looked at them with fresh eyes today? Right. And, uh, and, and just to recognize like the lawn will get mowed. Right. Maybe I didn't edge it. Okay. I'll edge it next time. Yeah. Right. You know, because this is more important. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, you see, you mentioned that that's a really important point that I think that, and I think this comes from, I honestly think this comes from when children and toddlers are very young. And I've spoken about this in terms of kind of new parents where there's this kind of, it's you feel like, oh, the house looks a mess. You know, there's stuff all over the floor and my relatives are going to come around or friends and they're going to judge me. So I need to make the house look tidy and whatever. And I think every new parent within the first couple of years is like, no, right. It's never going to be tidy. It's never going to be perfect. 
we'll get it to a point where it looks okay-ish, and then mm-hmm. beyond that point, I'm killing myself to try and keep on top of it. And that's kind of the first phase that parents go through, isn't it? And then, right. and then, and then I think as the kids get older, you actually go through that phase again. I'm finding myself going through that phase again, where again you sort of like, okay, there's always going to be stuff to do at weekends. Always, always things <laughs> that you need to get done. But the problem is, is you never end up doing the things where you're just being with your kids or with your wife or going uh, for a date night or a walk near the lake or these kind of stuff where, and from a mortality point of view, you know, you're never going to look back on your life and say, you know, I wish I'd spent more time at the office or I wish I'd spent more time shopping or I wish your, it's those experiences. I think, I don't know. I found myself once since I've got the sort of other, the other side of 35, 40, for me, it's becoming more about experiences now in the second half of my life more so than things, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and, and, and even the experience thing, I think I get caught up in that, thinking that experience has to mean that I'm taking the kids to this amazing place or traveling the world or going to here or going to there or having a boat and doing these things. Like, it's still more doing. Like, experience for me is like flat out, it's connection, right? And so we intentionally, and we're getting better at it, we're not perfect by any means, like we're gonna intentionally do nothing. Like we're going to intentionally have a day where just what, what do you guys want to do next? You know, like not have nothing planned. There's no sense of like, Oh, we got to go do a hike for this to be a successful day. It's got to be a hike and a, a boat ride or a this or a that or a whatever. Like, no, 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 no. Like, you understand. Like we're not going to do anything. We're just going to let the next moment unfold. However it unfolds. Mm-hmm. And, and, and just truly all of us focus on being here together and connecting yeah. with each other. Yeah. You know? And the irony in that as well is those are the days when your kids turn around to you in the car on the way home and they say, Dad, Mum, I've had the best day ever. I don't want the day to end. And you're like, you've not gone to a fun park. You've not gone jet-setting anywhere. You've gone building yeah. camps in the woods, in the woods or whatever. And But they love it because their kind of barometer of a good day is not how much t- money you've spent on them. It's how much time you've spent and how present you've been. You know yeah, what I mean? Amen. Amen, brother. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, but it's just, it is, it is an incredible way. And I know you, and I know you talk about kind of morning routines and stuff, but we've delved into the kind of meditation and the kind of, and the kind of, the part that kind of morning routines play and kind of breath work. One thing as well is I think that morning routines, you know, talking about this, meditation people often say to me well how can i sleep better and stuff and one of the things i say is to meditate first thing in the morning and they're kind of like well how does that affect lasting at night i'm like well because you're starting the day off in a completely different way sort of thing but what do you what would you say in terms of you know you talk in your book about the like the evening routine as well which i think again people really struggle with this idea of you know switching off an hour before limiting their blue light and all this kind of sleep hygiene stuff that actually is going to give you so much better night's sleep. You know what I mean? Well, first of all, I'll say that I am not great sleeper. And so I have to be like on my A game to get a good night's sleep. And sleep has, is this, the resource behind it is absolutely, you cannot argue. Um, And, uh, you know, yeah, you can, I still though have a mind frame like my meditation practice in the morning 
takes precedence over my sleep because I know the impact that that has throughout my day. And if it's, if it's a deep enough practice, it's actually potentially more valuable than sleep, you know, for my own recovery. But going into the evening time, um, there's a few things that I think are super important. Number one is having your next morning set up. So if you are a morning routine type of person, like in the evening time, making sure your glass of water, if you have a journal, your meditation chair, whatever it is that you're doing in the first 30, 60, 90 minutes of the next morning, like all those things are laid out. So there's a sense of preparation for tomorrow that's already laid out. And you can go as far as you want with that. But I think that's huge. Obviously, you know, getting our phones out of our rooms, you know, and, and uh, turning off screens. And, and like you mentioned, getting our room as absolutely dark as possible. Um, you know, you can talk all the way back to like, you know, not drinking too much water past 4 p.m. And, you know, being conscious of how much you're eating two hours before bedtimes. And there's all kinds of things that help your body prepare prepare for sleep. You know, the final piece that I think has been huge for me that when I'm on my game is, is to do some, is to understand the, the power of the last few minutes of our day when it comes to transformation or change, Hmm. because there's something that happens there when our brain waves start to slow down and we're, we're preparing for sleep. And even as we are drifting off to sleep, our conscious mind is detaching from our unconscious mind, right? And the doorway kind of opens up again. So we can go into things like powerful questioning, asking ourselves a powerful question as we're finding ourselves drifting off and we're preparing for sleep and or doing, I, what, I, what I like to do is I actually like to be really, really clear about the version of myself that I'm trying to draw in, right? Who am I becoming as a father, as a husband, as a business owner? you know, as a coach, whatever, these things that I'm embarking upon as a journey in my life, being super, super hyper clear about what those things look like, mm. and then actually writing it out, write it out and get in touch with the feeling that is behind all of these experiences. If I was present as a father, right? As if I was impactful as a coach, as I truly want to be, like, how do I feel about myself? What are the actions that I'm taking? And then I write that into a script that I basically will record my own voice and be falling asleep at night and have it be some meditative type music. But listening to my own voice, kind of like talk myself through some breathing exercise, through the idea of letting go of the day. So I actually have a a script that I listen to in the evening that says, okay, let's let go of the day. Let's process what we learned. All right. So that helps me kind of, you know, unpack the day and then leave it behind, you know, and then to, to recognize like, this is where I'm going, going forward. You know, this is who I'm becoming. This is what I'm going to be about tomorrow when I wake up in the morning. And so having this process that making it as small and simple as it may serve you to be, where it could be just a, a simple question or finding three things you did well that day to help build optimism, right? So you are finding the wins of the day, then maybe recognizing one thing you can learn. I mean, so some sort of journaling prompts like that, Mm -hmm. I think that helps to just process, Mm -hmm. gets things out of our psyche, out of our body, to some sort of brain dump. Uh, But for me, the thing that has helped me the most is actually to do what I call like basically a drinker from a fire hose, you know, of just 
pouring something good into my consciousness right before I'm falling asleep. Some good imagery, some positive imagery, and some future self type of uh, imagery and or feeling sense as I'm falling asleep puts me into a place of peace and to and and I feel an impact from that. Mm. I actually could recognize certain things that I may say to myself as I'm falling asleep in these scripts. They show up in my life. They show up as a reoccurring thought. Mm. And I'm like, hey, I know where that comes from because I recorded it. You know, so I'm actually planting seeds of intention into my subconscious mind to help program myself subconsciously. I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. A, a very much so because and and because you're kind of it's like a visualization come meditate it's like a it's almost like a sleep visualization come meditation and the reason i like that is because my eldest daughter my eldest daughter has autism by the way and sometimes mm. she has one of the things i've noticed over the years is that her her um her conscious mind is going at such a rate of knots that trying to slow that down enough that her that she can go to sleep it's often a case of kind of talking her and doing this kind of guided meditation before she mm. goes to sleep into a kind of safe place with like a mm. and we we typically use like a jungle with like a lake and some parrots and the sun on her face so it's this kind of like picture but it's just enough to because she would get frustrated because i think her conscious mind was going at 100 miles an hour but not but so much so that it didn't allow her subconscious to kind of take her into a gentle sleep. So that slowed things down enough. But listening to what you describe what you've done there by recording that kind of visualization is a, is a really cool, t- it's something that didn't occur to me, but it's blindingly obvious because I'm doing exactly the same thing when I'm, when I'm doing this guided meditation with my daughter. So that might be something that I might actually give a, give a go and record some scripts oh. on that. And the, the other piece to keep in mind with it, so is like the number one voice that your subconscious mind is going to trust is your own. Mm. And, and I think a lot of people struggle to hear their own voice, right? So you hear your own voice, like, oh, I don't like it. And so it can help you build confidence too, because you start to listen to your voice tell you like, hey, you know, tomorrow you're going to be patient and present with your kids. You find times to feel their souls. I mean, you know, I can go on and on about these types of things that I fill my mind with, you know, of, of, uh, of, of the version of myself I want to become. And I mean, I've, I've written, I'm on, I'm on series number nine of my <laughs> evening scripts. Like I have, I have them all. I, I type them up and I'll record them and I have them all saved. So I can look back and say, what was I saying to myself 18 months ago? Yeah. And what was it? And then how are those things showing up? So you're, so you're helping yourself. I mean, cause even with, I, I teach breath work, I teach meditation, I teach all this stuff and I still have a hard time sometimes remembering exactly what the hell I'm doing when I sit down to meditate. Now, what am I doing here again? And I teach it. Yeah. Right. So like, why not, give myself some prompts mm. to keep me myself on track, whether it be with a certain breath ratio, right? Yeah. So, you know, inhale, hold, exhale, and, and just letting myself guide myself through the breath work that helps bring myself into balance. And then through the imagery that helps me let go of the day. And then through the imagery that helps me connect to where I'm going in life. Like why not have those prompts yeah. rather than always having to consciously use your mind to remember, okay, well now I do this and now I do that. And, and, yeah. and, and, for the process to kind of get lost in the details of what I'm trying to accomplish. Mm. 
I'd love it. I love it. I really do love it. And the, and the other thing that occurs to me often as well, particularly when I'm doing video content, and, and this is going to be, and, and, and to anyone that's listening to or watching this, this may be a bit of a revelation for you, but quite often people that are putting out video and audio content like on social media and stuff, you will find that probably I would say a large proportion of them, they're talking to you, but they're also talking to themselves at the same time. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether you can relate to this, Ryan, that you kind of, you know, you're, you'll be thinking about something and you'll be like, you, you, you'll, you'll, be, you'll be having this internal dialogue and you'll say, right, um, you, you'll be trying to short fuse this internal dialogue by kind of breaking into it and changing the dialogue. But then you kind of suddenly think, hang on a minute, this is going to be useful to someone else because someone else mm-hmm. is going through this at exactly the same time and then yeah. you hit the video record button bang and and this is kind of what the kind of the old school guys like les brown and kind of zig ziglar they're really kind of tap it they les brown specifically you know i've got some of his cds uh cds and audio books in the car and stuff from that and you put them up on a, up loud with these big booming baritone voice sort of thing and and like he says at the beginning of some of the stuff that he said my job is to kind of get into your head and he does it he gets into your head that's what he's yeah. good at. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, where this all started with me was when I, years ago, started to listen to guys like Les Brown. I would find motivational compilations. I'd find motivational speeches and just hit play on over and over and over. So this is becoming the reoccurring thoughts in my mind. When something hard came up, rather than me being like, oh, no, or doubt, or fear, like, it'd be like, I can do hard things because this is something that, I have been taught how to train. So I now understand how to train my mind to instantly see an obstacle and for my mind to say, I can do hard things. Mm. Rather than for me to see an obstacle or sense an obstacle and be like, oh gosh, and what's going to happen? How are we going to do? Like, it's just, it's cool. I can do hard things. What's next? Let's go. Right. But that's been trained over years of, you know, putting that information into my mind, mm. you know, and, uh, and then to reaffirm it through authentic action. So you affirm it to yourself through scripting and through other suggestion, through, through your own voice or through other motivational compilations. And then you say, okay, what is, if I took one action today, and this is part of your morning routine, your part of your morning routine is creating that vision for yourself, dirt diving your day and saying, what is one thing I can do today that's going to take me closer to my desired result, right? Mm-hmm. Of what would be business, professional relationship or or otherwise, right? And so then you start to step out and say, okay, here's my one authentic action. Here's my one authentic action. Here's the thing I'm going to do. I'm going to do a social media post or I'm going to, you can start with whatever it is, right? That you're trying to accomplish. I'm going to actively listen to my wife. I'm going to, (laughs) right? And so then through that intention in the morning routine, then you start to not, you start to actually back up the content that you're feeding yourself. Mm. right yeah because you're tapping into that positive feedback loop of intentionality aren't you yeah exactly that's what it is and then and you're creating what we call credibility Mm. right you're creating credibility for yourself no matter how small that starts with like here is 
something I have done that's hard. Therefore, I have proof I can do hard things. Now, here's the next hard thing that I'm seeking out to do. And here's the micro goals. Here's the small things I'm going to do along the way. And so it just continues to build your belief, right? Build your confidence. Mm. It's one, I think it's one of the most important pieces of like, we talk about mental toughness or resiliency, like how to become mentally, mentally tougher. Like we first learn how to calm our mind. We learn how to focus our mind. But then we learn how to build our own confidence, be our own coach, mm. right? So when things come up, uh, we we stay in tune with our internal dialogue to stay present, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. There's been so much wicked content that we've gone through in tonight's conversation, and I would say to anyone that's listening or watching this that you may well just need to rewind this to the beginning get a sheet of paper and take some notes because there is so much stuff that we've kind of covered in this. And there's a load of stuff in your book as well, which we would probably need probably a three or four hour podcast to uh, to get through all of that. But I think we've kind of, I think the, what I like about our conversation, Ryan, tonight is that one of the things that I have been kind of craving, if you like, to get into guys a lot more is self-care. And some people talk some people feel that kind of meditation and self-care and visualization all this kind of stuff is kind of shrouded in somewhat mystery and it's kind of mystic and something that only people in the far east know how to do if they're sitting on a mountain uh, mm. wearing a habit and you just like and i think it, kind of bringing this into the kind of forefront of guys minds as to actually you need to invest in your self-care and you need it to be a big part of your life in order to give from a full cup rather than giving from an empty cup. It's just a really important thing to kind of, to kind of get into really, I think. Yeah. I, I, I hear self care and I, my mind instantly goes to like get a massage right, <laughs> or, or something like that. Right. You know, get a massage or whatever. I mean, I don't, that's, that's basically the only place my mind goes. So like, if, if, if you think of self care the way I do, it's like, Hey, how about we just look at it as, okay, me taking care of myself, like me parenting. If I was to parent me, right? Mm-hmm. Like how could I build myself up? Right? In what way could I become more optimistic? Mm-hmm. In what way could I approach my life and stay more calm? Right? Because calm will lead to presence. Right? In what way can I work on and actually construct confidence? Right. Like this is self-care. Like this is actually self-care that's going to move the needle forward. So I think self-care in a lot of ways takes on this approach of like taking a break. Right. But for me, self-care is me doing the work that allows for me to show up more present, more confident, you know, and, uh, and more optimistic. Yeah. And to see more opportunity in the next moment. Mm. Right. So I'm recharging those batteries. Yeah. Uh, through meditative practice or whatever, you know, or, you know, time in nature or whatever, you know, and, and it, I might go get a massage too, but you know, that's, um, I think, yeah, self-care needs to be us going inward and cultivating our own coach. Yeah. And it's, it's the best coach. It's mental self-care rather than physical self-care, isn't it? I think that's what guys yeah. can really tap into. And I think that is, and as a wider picture, I think that is a key to generally men's, bettering self self um mental health and stuff that kind of stuff as well because we're just notoriously bad at that it's like right 
we're going to sort ourselves out when everything's turned to shit. And actual fact, yeah. you need to do it before it gets to that point. <laughs> well, you know, and, and here's the here's the thing that I have recognized. I believe with what, everything that's going on in the world, you know, uh, we all need to take some sort of responsibility to become a high performer. Like we all need to become higher performer than we are now, right? It doesn't mean that we all have to be wherever we see a, a, another high performer in our life, but we all become better performers and taking responsibility within that, you know, of, of saying, hey, listen, I am going to come and become a better version of me. And so whether that's for me at one point, that was dragging myself out of the gutter, right? I mean, I was depressed and anxious and destroying my marriage and sabotaging that relationship and about to lose my kids. Like this is where my life was, you know, five, six years ago, right? And so those same principles of what I'm talking about of developing calm and optimism and confidence and these mental toughness school, school, uh, skills are the same tools that lead to me being able to build multiple businesses and make a larger impact and become a, a, more of a higher performer or whatever that looks like for you. Like it's the same thing. So whether you're getting yourself out of despair or whether you're moving yourself to a new experience of life in the sense of abundance and, and service, it's the same. Mm. It's the same, right? So no question that if I'm moving myself towards more confidence, I'm going to experience less anxiety. Right? If I'm moving myself towards more peace and calm, I'm going to experience less depression. I mean, it's just it's just moving ourselves towards the light. I, I'll never forget this threshold that I crossed when I was it I had the mental construct of like being in this heavyweight fight with depression. It's me or you. And I had this limiting belief that sooner or later the depression will win. Sooner or later I'm going to lose this fight, but I'm going down swinging, baby. Right. And I'm going to fight this thing to the bitter end. Right. And then this is how I approached every day. And I would fight it and I'd beat it. I'd beat it up. I mean, I, in the gym or otherwise, like I would push myself to complete exhaustion. Like, ah, I won today. Right. And then this threshold happened where I started to experience more peace and more joy. And I recognized like, hey, listen, if it's possible for 30 seconds to experience this, then it's possible for a lifetime. I mean, it's, it's a lot of polarity, right? Two, there's a positive and a negative in any, mm. any moment, in any one moment. If I'm feeling complete despair, complete joy is on the other side of that experience. It's always available to us, right? So I started to recognize, like, listen, this threshold I crossed was I am no longer running away from darkness. And no question, suffering and pain can be our motivator. But so can experiencing more joy and peace and abundance and love and and all those types of things, right? And to start to chase the light yeah. rather than run away from the darkness. Yeah, I like it. With the same, with the same tools. Yeah, and with I the like it the way you phrase it that way as well. It's a very, it's, I've never heard it phrased that way as well. It's been a wicked conversation today, Brian, and I want to thank you very much for coming on and speaking to us because we've covered thank a you. massive amount of ground and some really... Uh, some really good points that we've covered in this conversation as well. What is, if people want to find out a bit more about you and the work you do, connect with you on social media. Uh, obviously, you've got the book, which is uh, The Choice Point, which is your most recent book that's just come out, which covers a lot of these topics. What is the best way for people to find out about you, Ryan? 
The IHPcoaching.com is our website. Mm-hmm. So IHP stands for Integrated Human Performance. Uh, IHP on social media, on Facebook, on Instagram, uh, IHP Coaching is is where we're there. And, and uh, you know, I would just ask anybody and, and offer to any of your listeners to reach out and, and to have a conversation, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, to know that, like, I would love to give some sense of a coaching experience to, to make a shift in someone's life. And if there's something there that we can work with together, whether it be in our membership group or, or otherwise, or, you know, then, then I would be, I'd love to have the honor to, to for that experience to happen. So uh, to reach out through email or through our website, phone call, uh, whatever it may be to just uh, to, to help somebody else potentially shift their perspective and, or find a tool that helps them move the needle in their own lives. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. And I'll link all the, I'll link up all your um, links in the show notes as well. Um, Appreciate that. Thank last you. question that I don't prime anyone for. Uh, <laughs> so you, you, you've not been prepared for this one at all. What What is it that gives you meaning in life, Ryan? Growth. Yeah, growth, man. I, just I'm always uh, curious to know what the next experience is going to be. Mm-hmm. what the next version of myself, like what the next moment, what is that next version of myself that's going to be asked to step forward, to come out of its shell, to be healed and to be transcended, um, to show up more fully and authentically. So just this idea that I used to have a belief that you are who you are, right? And that was it. And and now I'm just like, I am whoever I decide to be and whoever I choose to to become right and so uh just growth in the sense of like what is the next version of myself gonna experience and and what's the next challenge that's going to bring that out mm. so it's it's all about growth yeah and metamorphosis there you go mm. there's a name for your next training program metamorphosis the me- there's one of my favorite motivational speeches talks about we're all under the we're all under metamorphosis. We're all changing. That's right. I love, I love it. Excellent. I'm going to let you go on your merry way today, sir. Thank you very much for your time. And uh, it's been a great conversation. And I appreciate you coming on to speak with us. Thank you. Wish you the best of luck. We'll talk soon. Huh? Cheers, man. Take care. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. Okay. So the question I'm left with after today's discussion is... What are you running away from? You see, the thing is, we all run away from stuff. It could be past hurt. It could be emotions. It could be feelings. It could be attachment or even commitment. But as in Ryan's case, you can only keep running for so long until stuff eventually catches up with you. Fortunately for him, he found a way through it. And in a similar way to other guests I've spoken to recently, taking that time to really go to work on himself and get clear on what he wanted for his marriage to continue was key. The mind is a powerful thing and we don't need to let thought or emotion control us. Our conversation around the observing mind and harnessing the power of your subconscious to go to work for you while you sleep is probably one of the most powerful tactics you can take to maintain mental health and ensure you direct all your mental energy towards what you want rather than what you don't want. It was an absolute pleasure 
to unpack meditation and these other powerful techniques with Ryan, which are so easy to put in place, provided you make the time and effort to do so. Now, if you want to find out a bit more about Ryan and the work he does, you can do so by checking out his website, ihpcoaching.com. That's all one word. Also, he's over on Facebook, IHP Coaching, and the same on Instagram, IHP Coaching. So look him up on there. All of these links will be in the show notes, which are over on guildofdads.com under the episode. So if you miss anything, you can whiz over there and you can grab the information there. It will be easily and readily to hand. If you want to hear more discussions just like this one today, the best way to do it is by subscribing on your podcast player of choice, be that iTunes, Google Podcasts or Spotify. If you subscribe, then you will uh, get to find out the podcast episodes that are coming up each week. They'll just pop up on your podcast player of choice. So that is the best way to hear more discussions like the one today. You can drop us a rating and review. That would be very much appreciated. But the biggest compliment that you can give to me is by just sharing this episode out however you want to, whether that be on WhatsApp, Messenger or text. The more information that can be shared out, it's really important. Some of the information can be truly life-changing for dads that you may know. So if you can do that, that would be really fantastic and I would really appreciate it. You can get involved with the discussion on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter using the handle at Guild of Dads and check out our Facebook group to join the Guild. If you like what you hear and you want to email me, I love to hear from listeners. So ping me an email, joe at guildofdads.com. Let me know what you like, what you don't like and who you would like me to interview even. I'd love to know. Thanks for listening. If you want to find out more about what we're doing at Guild of Dads, then head over to www.guildofdads.com and in the meantime, live a life of vision, action and meaning.